This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 183. Hi, I'm one of your regular hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, fellow urban fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott, what's on your plate this week? Anything new to mention or announce? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I think since our last podcast, I've launched my own book, Cloak and Dagger, into the shared Delta Underground Operatives world. Uh, And that has been received very well. I've been very thankful for the ratings and reviews from readers on that. Uh, Lots of positive comments. Um, so that is up available for reading, and it's currently 99 cents available at Amazon and also in KU. So be sure to pick that up if you're at all interested in the duo world. On a related note of writing, I am now deep in editing on the uh, last book in my little yokai series, my Japanese urban fantasy series. Number six, it's called Released. That is scheduled for a publication date in May. So I am now, uh, now that the duo novel's out and in the world, I am turning my full-time focus onto Little Yokai to wrap up that series, which is, gosh, it, it'll probably be about two years from, from book one to book six when all is said and done. That's so exciting that you're able to, to kind of get that, that world wrapped up and finish, finish it up. There's something to be said for having a completed series out there. It is. I'm looking forward to it and like moving on as sharing some box sets with readers and all that kind of stuff. But having a complete series allows me to do lots more things for my readers. And I'm looking forward to that. How about you? What's keeping you busy these days? Well, I'm working hard to wrap up book six in my Lone Wolf Space Western series. Um, it's called Interstellar Justice, which actually is like the fourth and finally final title for the book. But anyway, that's working out really well, and I'm excited to finish it up. It wraps up a big story arc for the, the last three books in the series. And um, and I think there'll be more in that series to come in the future, but at least this is going to wrap it up for, for this point in time. I'm also uh, just got Split Infinity, my duo book, back from my editor, who happens to be my sister. And she said she really enjoyed the story and, and looking forward to seeing what the reader response is. Um, I hope she's right. Um, she does a good job editing my books, and I need to get into ed- wading through her edits and going through that process, but so I can get it ready for publication, which I think is just like three weeks away. So I've really got to get on, get on that and get it done so I can get the book formatted and ready to go. Let's go ahead and introduce this week's special group chat episode. We thought we would bring on two of the Delta Underground operative authors whose books have not yet come out and come out in a few months or so and talk about the series, their books, and a whole lot more. So today we have S.W. Clark. We all we call her Siobhan. That's what she goes by. And Mel Todd. And so let's jump into our chat with them right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast. I am excited to be here with this group discussion about the Delta Underground Operatives world. And we've got two of the duo authors here with us today. Um, We have Mel Todd and we have S.W. Clark, who is also known as Siobhan to the rest of us. So we're going to that's who we'll be talking to when we say, hey, Siobhan, um, you'll know who we mean. Um, but anyway, I just real quick, um, Mel, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing. Um, I'm Mel Todd. I've been writing now for 
big grief 10 years this year, or at least publishing for 10 years this year. Trust me, I've been writing for much, much longer than that. I've got about 40 titles out, a bunch of anthologies, and this is my first non-co-authored shared world that I've written in. So it's kind of interesting. Great. And we'll have to talk a little bit about the differences between those two types of shared experiences as an author a uh, little, little later on. Um, Siobhan, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Siobhan Clark. I write as S.W. Clark. Um, I'm based in Washington, D.C. with my partner and two cats. Um, I write urban fantasy. I have three series. Um, this is, yeah, three series. And this is my fourth in the shared world. Well, fourth total <laughs> wording. Fourth series, first in um, a shared world. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and we're excited to talk about the, the shared world, the duo world, your books in general, um, and all that's going to come up here a little bit later on um, as we get into the questions. And that starts with you, Scott. Um, so why don't you jump in with your first question? Well, I, I, I think the ladies actually already answered that first question, which was, is this your first time writing in a shared world? And I, it sounds like yes. Is that correct? For the as long as you don't count fan fiction, in which case it would be uh, no by hundreds of thousands of words, no. But yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say fan fiction. I love fan fiction. I'm gonna go on the record right here. I don't want anybody coming after me with spears and arrows. <laughs> uh, but fan fiction does not count for this question. Let's move on to question number two. What is the biggest challenge you have experienced writing in? A shared world or the duo shared world, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with Siobhan. The biggest challenge I think was simultaneously the sort of the most freeing thing in a way because it's inhabiting someone else's creation um, that has been sort of pre fleshed out um, and and not feeling like I am mm, misstepping or like misrepresenting pre-existing characters. And, but I also simultaneously love it because I feel like I can then focus more on the things that haven't yet been created or fleshed out and sort of play around with everything. So it's kind of like double-edged sword. Um, my characters both use blades. So it's an appropriate simile. Okay, so do I insert the boom boom sound effect now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, awesome. What about you, Mel? For me, honestly, a lot of it was just because I was asked in really late in the game. I was asked to replace an author that had to drop out due to life. And we all understand how complicated life is. So for me, I've always been feeling like I was dropping the ball on things because either it was something that I hadn't been aware of because I wasn't there for those conversations or I'd misunderstood because I hadn't had enough time to talk to anybody. I can give you the number one misunderstanding. I'm halfway through this novel at this point. And all of a sudden I went, wait, what do you mean assassins? I'm typing out an email to Nicole. I'm like, what do you mean assassins? That, 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 that's not what I was told. They were agents. She's like, yeah, they kill people. <laughs> I'm like, that. that's not an assassin. And I'm like, shoot, they're going to hate my book because I didn't write these characters as assassins. <laughs> and so finally I just went, okay, they're not assassins, but they are. But uh, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. If they hate it, they can tell me and I'll go do something else. <laughs> that's well, don't, so funny. Don't feel bad. 
Don't feel bad because um, I think I jumped into writing my book really early on, maybe even before some of the world building was fully fleshed out. And I got a first draft knocked out in about a month. And then I circled back and realized I had not followed the rules of the magic system that Nicole and Kimber had established. I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to go back and rewrite all of these action scenes, go back through the book with a fine tooth comb, make sure I'm not referencing anything incorrectly. And then just to make it more challenging, I changed up some of the powers each of my dual casters had, which meant I had to go back and change the mechanics of the action scenes and everything else. So don't, don't feel bad about that. We've all gone down that path. Me most recently. <laughs> it's true. Most you, Siobhan. What was that? Oh, sorry. Um, well, I meant to ask you another question, a follow-up question. Um, so uh, what has been the biggest benefit of writing in a shared world for you in terms of um, a standalone novel, which I know you've written, like, as opposed to that, what kind of an experience has it been working in a shared world upside? Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it is, you know, that pre-existing set of characters and places, but yeah, I mean, it just went so much faster, the writing because of that, like I was able to, because I had that scaffolding, I was able to just like sort of zoom in on my characters moving through this world um, which was a lot of fun for me, very freeing. Um, it's funny to think about how sort of having um, something pre-built gives you freedom. It does. And I think that's one reason why after struggling for so long, trying to write regular fantasy, when I made the jump to urban fantasy, everything just kind of flowed a little bit faster, a little bit easier. I didn't have to worry about doing all the world building, even though I love doing world building. I think for me, that was slowing down my writing and, and fantasy and jumping to UF where it's like, I don't have to worry about explaining all these cultures and science and technology. I, it's all there. I just have to make up some characters and a story and it's all good. Um, how about you, Mel? What's been some kind of a surprising maybe benefit to working in this particular shared world? It isn't really the shared world as much as it is the group of authors that I'm getting to work with and also going, oh, that's how you do marketing. Really? You do that? That never occurred to me. Oh, wait, that works? Holy moly. A lot of it for me has been that because we never realize how individualistic our approaches to a common thing such as marketing is. And you're always struggling through your own path that makes no sense. And all of a sudden, people come along and go, oh, look, here's a flashlight. Here's a different flashlight. Here's a different flashlight. And you're sitting there going, wow, I'm an idiot. I, I feel that way about how Scott handles Facebook posts. I feel like I got a master class in Facebook posts from Scott. I got the whole, oh, gosh, I have to live up to that. Oh, I'm in <laughs> trouble. I, I thank you very much. I will not lie. I uh, stressed and agonized and spent a lot of time working on those in the run up and had a lot of content in the hopper uh, on that. Uh, I hope it was engaging. I hope it was fun for the readers out there. I had a lot of fun coming up with teasers and tidbits and behind the scenes. So it was a lot of fun. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Jamie, I think you had a question you wanted to ask. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start off with just saying that it, for those people that are listening to the podcast that haven't gone over and joined the Delta Underground Operatives Readers Group, 
Um, you should definitely do that. There is so much amazing content because we have 10 different authors participating over there and answering questions and putting up some content around their books as they come out. Um, and one of the people that I've been like just amazed to watch is some of the, the images Kat has put out there um, yeah. that she's come up with and the, 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 the different ways she's come up with to introduce her characters when her book came out and things like that. So um, I just want to urge people that are listening to head over and join that. It's the Delta underground operatives readers group and um, just request to join. We'd love to have you in there and participate. And we do live streams on release days with all the authors, not just the author who's releasing that day. So that's kind of fun. Um, So my question is this, Um, I'll start with um, Siobhan. Um, What, about your two characters came in Veda. Was it that made you um, really have some challenges getting them to interact? Because one of the things we have to do as part of our characters for this, this particular shared world was to have that tension and angst between the two main characters. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that was something that I was thinking about early on. Um, and I think it's twofold. There's a, a shared history between them that doesn't really become clear until later in the book. There's a reason for um, some of their feelings toward each other. But I think the most, the clearest reason from the outset is that she's blind and he is, she's a blind human um, and he is a fallen angel. And so he's physically just much bigger than her, much stronger and physically seems much more capable. And I think that he is someone who's kind of like inhabited that he's been walking the earth for a thousand years as a fallen angel and he respects strength and brutality and she is not those things necessarily in that way um and so he doesn't respect her um in the way that she really deserves to be respected and and that's a a big point of contention between them and and something that they both uh, in ways in which they're both growing to be more um, uh, real partners. And I have a follow-up because I'm really curious. You said she's blind. Is that, Was that difficult to write? Or is that something you have experience with in some way? I, I wrote um, an early novel. One of my first novels I wrote, the main character was blind. And so um, I actually had a blind reader um, who read it. And they said that, like, it's, it was, I did a really good job representing someone who was blind. Um, and so in this one, I sort of used, utilized what I had learned from writing that first novel. And there was the added sort of wrinkle of her being a psychic. And so it created all of these really just exciting opportunities for her to be in scenes where she is lacking one sense, but she has an additional one that's ultra powerful. And so she navigates through the world in really fun, unique ways. Cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes out, because I know your book is, both of you have books yet to come out in this universe, which is one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you ahead of time and kind of give a teaser to folks. Um, Mel, what about you? What was it about Nick and Stell that, that you found maybe a challenge to kind of write their, their angst? They don't have any. (laughs) I I think that, I think they have some interesting angst. Oh, no. Okay. So, so they don't have, angst the way we tend to think about angst they have the junior high totally have fallen in love with the guy and you would do anything for him but you would never ever ever even mention the fact that you like him 
Yeah. <laughs> and they both feel that for each other with both of them having the whole, oh, I'm not good enough for this person. This person would never want to, you know, have anything to do with me, but I'm going to be the best person I can because they're just so awesome. So it's really amusing to write two people head over heels for each other, but yet at the same time, they're completely oblivious to it for the other person. I Yeah, I love that. It's like, it's like this so, angst and solitude because they have no idea how to approach that with each other. Mel, I had a question for you about your characters. Um, how did you come up with this idea of, you know, so Nick is half work, right? Mm-hmm. And she has all of these tattoos that she can then like utilize as weapons. Where did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, so I absolutely love to take tropes and twist them. And one of the standard tropes is always the beauty and the brawn. Well, I went, what if I twisted that and make her the brawn and him really the beauty? I'm going, okay, well, she's a half orc. By definition, orcs generally don't do magic all that well, which meant I had to make her magic somehow uh, something to do with physical fighting. And from that, I kept just pulling on strings going, well, how would you have magic? You know, I didn't want to do Buffy the Slayer thing necessarily with the whole, oh, she can use any weapon. That's cool, but that's not really a true magical thing. So that's why I got the idea of her being able to pull weapons literally from her skin. And I liked that as a limiting factor as opposed to just pulling them from the air because if she could always go oh hey I want a this that really kind of makes her massively massively overpowered Mm -hmm. but if I make them so that they're things that she has to have tattooed on her skin it forces her and the reader to think about well what would you want tattooed on your skin how many weapons and what sort of weapons would you want knowing you could get into pretty much any situation So at one point, I talk about the fact that she has brass knuckles tattooed on her hand so that if she gets into basically a fist fight, she has brass knuckles because those, okay, yep, I have brass knuckles. You can explain them away. And then she has different weapons for what she hopes she can use in different situations. Now, invariably, you never have the right thing because that's how life works. Well, I just encountered a scene where she uses, what are those, the the fight scene where she uses these weapons that start with sink they're they're called uh, sinkitas they are a, a spanish weapon from like the early 1700s to the 1800s and basically they look like an isosceles triangle so they're really wide at the base and go up to a super super pointy thing but it gives her that wide enough base that she can try to pull off the wonder woman thing yeah because the normal sword is only like two inches wide these can be like up to five inches wide at the base And that gives you a lot more room, especially when you hold two of them up. That gives you almost a 10 inch, uh, 10 inches of coverage, which in a relatively close gunfight is actually a lot of coverage. I love that. It was so clever. People are idiots. (laughs) Now I can't wait to the history. I was going to say we've entered the history portion of the podcast. This is awesome. And I can't wait to to read that scene. It sounds amazing. Well, see, what's funny is, so her, that's her. So for those of you listening, all agents have basically three stages of power. They have their first inherent power. 
So Stella's inherent power is he's a transfiguration mage. And her first power is just that she can use weapons. She's a really good fighter. The second is she can pull the weapons from tattoos from her arms. And so they discovered that. And his is that he can then do transfiguration from thin air. And, and I do cover in the book at a later stage. It isn't so much that he materializes things from thin air, but it allows him to use the invisible molecules, such as hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, the dust and everything. He can then transfigure from that as opposed to having to have an object or material in front of them. Their third stage is fascinating <laughs> because when it got mentioned to me, she said there has to be a negative for them using their power. Well, me, I go to extremes. <laughs> I, I don't do minor negatives. Her negative is when she goes into the third stage, she basically becomes a berserker. And if you know most North mythology, berserkers were basically unstoppable melee fighters. Well, I added the twist that she becomes a true berserker, which means if the enemy in front of her is killed, she turns and looks for the next person to kill. And it wouldn't matter if it was a bunch of school kids. She's going to keep right on tearing through. She will not stop until she's dead or somebody flips the coin. And so it always adds this risk that if, if Stell doesn't flip the coin back, she could kill him. Or innocence or somebody else. So it's both this I really awesome power and absolutely terrifying power. The cell side of it is that he can uh basically instead of transfiguring things, he can then make sound into light. And if you're old like me and Jamie, you probably remember Dazzler. I love Dazzler. Dazzler was an awesome comic book character. So I love the idea of him being able to take the sounds that Nick is making when she's fighting and transform it into lasers. However, his bad side is, is he is a hypoglycemic. He is not a diabetic. He is a hypoglycemic, which means his magic actually pulls on the sugar in his blood. So he is always shoving candy down his mouth. Well, if he uses too much magic at too high of a level, his blood sugar drops. And those of you who are diabetic understand that if your blood sugar drops too slow, you pass out. Well, if he's passed out, he can't flip that coin. So it's this really sharp double-edged razor of if either one of them is out, the other will die too. So, sorry, I talked a lot. No, I loved that. That's great. And Siobhan, you've read, you've read actually all of our books, at, le at least yes. in part, if not all of them. Um, so why don't you, if you have any other questions that you'd like yeah. to ask? Yeah. Okay. So um, first, Jamie. <laughs> Because I re I read I'm going in reverse order because I read your book most recently uh, before Mel's. So um, when did you say you got married? We got married in 1990. Okay, so you've been continuously married um, for since 1990. Yes, but you wrote about divorced exes who are assassin partners and the energy that you have in this book is so good. Like they're just, they're like simultaneously um, snarky with each other, but also kind of like affectionate in this sort of familiar way. Um, and so I, I'm curious how you managed to capture that considering you have never experienced such a thing. Yeah, it was, it, 
it was something I was worried about because when I got the idea for these two characters and that they were divorced and then forced to get back together and work together again, I really had to really think hard about the the ways that they were going to have um, challenges working together and what was going to cause that. And so, you know, we have Jeannie who thinks she was, her, her marriage was betrayed and that's why they got divorced. And, and we have rat who, um, made a mistake and not wants nothing more than to get Jeannie back. And so he, you know, they both have two completely different, um, drives when they work together. And he, and so that you get that tenderness, coming from him. And you even get moments of that from Jeannie too, because I, I really believe that, you know, two people who are, who are close for any length of time together have to have some level of affection at some point during that, that time frame, And that can't just be erased. So I, I, even though she's just pissed off angry at him for most of the book, if not all the book, um, she, she still has, you know, they still have this relationship in their past that, that they have to draw upon to work together. And that's the focus that, that she uses is that she just wants to get the job done because she wants to be away from him again. And, and so I, I drew a lot upon the things that, you know, my wife and I do that annoy each other. And we know that annoys each other. I mean, you, you can't be together. We were, we've been married for going on 33 years now or 32 years. Um, we've been together for 37 years, I think. Um, and so it's been a long time developing the knowledge of, you know, the things, you know, the, the way somebody chews their food or, or sips from a cup or any of those little tiny little things that over time just grow into these huge, like, Oh, she's doing it again. So I tried to draw upon that kind of stuff. And um, I'm happy to hear because my sister is my editor and she just finished editing the book and got it back to me. Um, she had a similar response um, that she was really ex- interested to find, to see how I'd draw, drawn those characters that way. Oh, also, how long were they married before they became assassin partners? Five years. Okay. I, I would be interested in that backstory, like how that changed their relationship. Yeah, I, that would, I'll have to, I, maybe I can write a short story about that. That might be a good, a fun little short read, or maybe I can delve into it in, in another book following this book, um, because I've started to get ideas for book two for them. So that's starting to roil around in my head. It never stops. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a question for somebody else, Siobhan? Oh, um, yeah. So, um, Scott, with your book, um, I was curious, um, Val, how did you come up with the name? Like the other day I was on your AMA and I was asking about her LLC. How did you come up with that tagline? <laughs> like, did you just brainstorm that in, in a minute or, or was that pre-existing? No, no. I had to come up with that literally on the fly. Just that like, was incredible. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, somebody, I might have been Kat in the AMA that I did in the um, Duo Readers Facebook group um, right before my book launched. Somebody, I think it was Kat, maybe it was you, Shema, asked what um, Val's favorite cereal was. And I was just like, Fruity Pebbles. That was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, and now apparently that is a thing. It is canon. And so now I will be having Fruity Pebbles on every Duo book launch, launch party going forward. 
<laughs> Do you like Fruity Pebbles? I did as a kid. I haven't had it in probably three decades. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's been a very long time. In fact, when I went to the store and bought it, I put it in our pantry in our kitchen. Um, I, I didn't know this till later. Apparently, all three of my kids went to my wife and was like, um, what are the fruity pebbles doing in the pantry? Like, we don't eat cereal like that. Is that dad's? What's dad doing with the fruity pebbles cereal? He's never had that before. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's this kind of a thing with this group that I'm in. And I, it just, it's quirky. I'm just a quirky writer. Just label it quirky writer. And that answered everything. See, what you do though is um, fruity pebbles actually make really good Rice Krispie treats. Ooh. And so you can make Rice Krispie treats with the fruity pebbles. If I can, if I can muster up the confidence to try that, I might do that for a launch party. It's a great idea, Mel. Okay, Rice Krispie treat, butter, uh, bag of marshmallows. Stir until they are all melted, and by butter I mean a stick of butter. Bag of marshmallows. Stir. Add in the fruity pebbles. Stir. Put it on wax paper and let it cool. You're done. It, it is. One of the easiest things to make. The only thing I know how to make that's easier that's absolutely not good for you is fudge. And that involves two ingredients. I will give it a shot. I think you greatly overestimate my baking skills, but thanks for the confidence. Appreciate that, it. That's cooking. Baking is chemistry. Cooking is art. Oh, I love it's that. Difference. Yeah, I love that. It's, it okay, is very cool, different. Thanks. I don't do chemistry. <laughs> yeah. And this, yeah, it's not baking. The baking's already done. The fruity pebbles are baked. So you just, and, and yeah, and if you're baked, you'll like fruity pebbles, but anyway, that's another whole thing. So good. Um, so we're getting, we're getting down towards the end here and I want, I'm sure Scott has maybe one more question to throw out there to the group before we close out. Well, I just want to make a, a commentary for the readers out there. I've read, um, part of Siobhan's novel, Jamie, I've read some of your other non-duo books, but I've heard your pitch and you've talked an awful lot about your novel. So I feel like I've got a handle on it. Um, Mel, I haven't had a chance to read yours because you're still writing it. Um, but my my take on this so far is that every writer is bringing their own sense of style, tone, voice, etc. to the shared duo world. And I, I like the idea that readers are going to be able to have lots of books to read in the shared world. If the shared world's appealing to them, they have lots of options, lots of titles to go through. But I also like the idea that every author is kind of bringing their own sense of style to that same shared world. And like cats, I've read cats. Cats is a, it's so hyster, it's hysterical. Cat has a has a wonderful sense of humor. Um, and then Sarah, she's got her own style that she's perfected. She's kind of like dialed into like, this is like a, this is what a Saranofsky book looks, feels in, in the experience for the readers. This is what it is. She's going to dial into that. So she's bringing her own brand of, of writing to the duo world. And I just love that. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about circle back to Mel's earlier comment about being in this group and learning from the other writers. For me, this has kind of been like a mini, um, indie writing community where, we're all helping out each other. No one's competing against each other. And we are able to learn from each other, both experienced and more new writers. It's been a lovely experience for me. And uh, I'm so, so, so grateful that I was invited to do this. And I'm glad I was smart enough to say yes. So I've learned from every other author in the group and it's been awesome. Did Scott tell you what I dumped on him that he's like, oh, wait, you can do this? 
So I wanted to do Easter eggs in my book. So I have uh, Rat and Jamie in my book and I have Scott's character Val in my book. And I'm like, hey, do you want to write a scene with me? He's like, okay. And so I'm like, hey, Val, this is Nick. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, respond. What would Val say? And he's like, really? I'm like, yes, we just chat back and forth. It's mostly dialogue with a few tags so that you know if something changes. And he was like, I have never done this before. And I'm like, no, I do this all the time. This is pretty standard when you do C chat and stuff as gaming. And I'm like, so like, can you talk to a dead gal for me? <laughs> you could just hear him like thinking on the other side of the keyboard going, okay, how would Val respond to this? <laughs> well, can I just say, I just, just read this scene today. And as I was reading it, I was wondering, because I could hear Scott's writer like his character's voice in your book and I was like how did this occur <laughs> like how did this happen awesome I think we did it Mel yeah I mean it's, but that's actually one of the really fun things is that if I decide I want some of Siobhan's characters we can literally say hey my character says this and you do it all we're using discord I've done it through various means but then you capture it all you simply transcribe it add the tags and everything and you have the scene written where you actually have another author's voice interacting with your characters. It was very cool. I love doing that. Thanks, Mel. I love that. That's that's genius. I mean, like you said, Scott, there's been so many things that I've picked up from being part of this group. Um, I'm not the. I'm not really strong as a world builder. Um, I don't see myself as that as one of my like strengths as a writer. I, I love character interaction and dialogue and. But um, whenever I'm editing and going back through, I'm like, I realize, you know, I've got a lot of people in empty white rooms with no furniture. Um, you know, it's, it's. <laughs> I, I read your accidental thief. That was really pretty good. I just haven't read book two yet. Well, no, I, I, but part of my, part of my challenge when I write is I write really fast and like a lot of authors will write and cut like whole sections of their books. And, you know, they end up cutting 10 to 15, 20% of what they wrote in the first draft. And that's not me. I add 10, 15 or 20% to what I wrote because I, I realized that I, I create a coloring book in my first draft. And then I have to go back through and color, color it all in because they're in a white room with no furniture and no doors or windows and no way in or out until I figure out how they're getting in or out of the room. It's, it's literally how I write. So something that I've really picked up from being part of this group has been learning a little bit more about how I can yet let the lore really expand and build the world for me. And, and that's something that, that I've really seen happen. And, and the cool thing is that a lot of that lore has come from each of, each of us has contributed something to that lore and made the world that much richer. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, uh, Nicole and Kimber laid down the foundation and gave us that, that starting block. And then I, everybody was just kind of literally, the analogy that I use is they created this really cool, attractive sandbox. And then we individually are our authors. We just showed up with all of our cool toys and began like adding all these toys to the sandbox. And now we're all playing with each other's toys. We're having a great time. We're telling stories. We're borrowing from each other. And, and then this it's, it's a very communal kind of a co-creative collaborative experience. And it is a true joy. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite aspects of being in the, the duo world. For sure. For sure. 
Well, let's wrap up. Um, Mel, where can folks find you and your books? You've got the great Twisted Luck series out there and a lot of other stuff going on. Um, where can they find you and, and seek you out online? Uh, you can always find me at uh, badashpublishing.com. I also have my own website up, melpod.com. I'm relatively active on Facebook, not so active on the other platforms, but in most places, if you look for Badash Books, and that's Ash, not Ash, A-S-H, you'll find that's almost always me, Badash Books. And then if you're local to the Southeast, I do a lot of conventions. I have one this weekend. I have one in April. I have Dragon Con in August slash September. So if you're in the Southeast, I'm probably at a convention coming near you. Awesome. That's great. And, and, and I've need to get back into doing the local conventions here. You know, the pandemic really stopped me from doing that. And I've, I've got, I've got lots of boxes of books in my basement that I've been dying to get rid of. So I need to get back into the groove. Um, Siobhan, where can folks find you? Um, I have a website, swclark.com. And um, I, I have a Facebook page that I am starting to post on more regularly. Um, and all my books are in Kindle Unlimited as well. Awesome. All right. Well, Scott and I will close out the show here in just a little bit, but I want to thank you both for coming on for this group discussion. And I hope everybody will go check out the duo series. Delta Underground Operatives is the series name. You can find it in Amazon and KU. Um, There are 10 authors writing in this world, multiple books from several of the authors already and more to come. So I hope you'll check it all out and we'll be back here with another episode soon. You know, chatting with these two ladies about the duo world and their books was so much fun. I can't wait to read their books. Um, You can find out more about them and when they're released um, by subscribing to this podcast because we will be interviewing them individually about their books. So there'll be future episodes coming out about that. You can also join the Duo newsletter, and I think, Scott, we'll have to make sure we put a link to the Duo newsletter sign-up and the short story collection you get for free with that um, in our show notes because people might really enjoy that. There's some short stories that go along with the Duo novels, and there's some um, collections of um, first couple of chapters for some of the books in there as well. So um, we'll have to do that for sure. We will definitely take care of that when that gets posted on your website. And um, yeah, I believe we've still got new uh, first chapel chapter samples and short stories being added to it. I think it went live in November, but it continues to grow. There's always something new to take a look at. So encourage I encourage readers to go take a look at that. If you've read some of the duo novels or the duo world sounds like something you're interested in, please go check that out. And if you've already downloaded it, Make sure you go back, swing back by, because I think there's some new content that uh, Nicole has been adding to it as the content comes in from the other duo authors. Yeah, all you have to do is re-download it basically um, into your app or or to wherever you're reading it, um, and the the update will come through in the download. Um, So definitely do that. Um, Scott, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, What's the best place to find out what you're up to and follow what you're doing? Best way to do that is to check me um, on social media platforms under the handle Scott is writing. My website is also scottiswriting.com. Jamie, how about you? 
You can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And make sure you check out the podcast over at jamiedavisbooks.com. There's links on the right-hand side to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app or even by email. Um, So just click that. And you can also go to any of the episodes by clicking the podcast tab at the top of the page. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. And I'm Scott Walker, urban fantasy author of Magic and Mischief.